0: there. This is Laura Camacho. This is the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. This is episode 135. So we have dropped a lot of wisdom on you. And today is you're not going to be disappointed. We're going to talk about leadership. And you're going to get some specific tools for leadership. This podcast is all about communication tools that you can use to advance your career. And they actually also work in your personal life. But I'm not going to talk about your personal life. And I have a return guest and actually Joel, Joel Schwartzberg, my first return guest. So I feel really excited that he liked it enough to come back. And not only that, Joel has a second book out, his first book, which is one I've recommended to so many people. I think it's called Get to the Point. I just sent people the link to it. And he's the master about getting to the point, which is hard for people who are not used to it. And it's even more necessary today because as you all know, the internet has destroyed our attention spans and we're all being called on in service to our audiences to get to the point. So now Joel has expanded on that and has a new book called The Language of Leadership, which is a very good because one thing I like about Joel is that he's specific. He doesn't just give you these high level oh, you should connect to your audience. Well, what does that mean? And he has a job in executive communications for a nonprofit, but he also does a lot of workshops and he's now author of two books. So welcome to the podcast again. It's good to have you, Joel.
1: Thank you, Laura. It's uh, such a, a privilege and an honor to be back and drop some more truth bombs.
0: Yes, I love that. So how was 2020 for you? Because the last time we talked was right before COVID, just so we didn't know it was coming, but.
1: You know, I typically work in New York City, but I have not since March of 2020. I've been working from home, like millions of people, getting used to Zoom. And there's a side benefit of that, really, because I work in communication, deal with communication. Whenever we're put into a new environment or a new context, for whatever reason, there are learnings. There are things we realize. And it's really important we share those realizations and learnings with other people, So they know what to take advantage of in a Zoom call that they couldn't take advantage of in a live call, or what standards and expectations come across well, and what other ones you sort of have to leave behind until you do live meetings again. So that was one area where COVID and COVID restrictions uh, sort of opened my mind and gave me more ideas to share with other people on how to elevate their communications. Well,
0: I certainly believe that working from home, which most everybody I talk to loves it and does not want to go back to full-time in the office, maybe part-time, but that the medium of video conferencing really encourages and rewards people who know how to get to the point. Right. So how did you go from being the expert, the master, and teaching people how to get to the point? Which I think is a good leadership skill. But now you've written a whole book on the language of leadership. Like, take us on the journey from book one to book two, because writing books is a lot of work.
1: Uh, It is a lot of work. And, but fortunately, my books are fairly short and quick reads. That's a function of, my attention span. (laughs) But it's also, I want to walk the walk as I talk the talk. So I like to make direct points, and I like to model that in my writing. So you'll never see from me this huge hardcover. What you'll see is something that's almost akin to a workbook, really nuts and bolts, tips and tactics. And to answer your question, I wrote Get to the Point in 2017, as an extension of what I was learning as I was training individuals and groups on public speaking. I really hate to use that word public speaking because it attaches to notions of one person on a stage speaking to hundreds of people. I prefer point making, which is something that happens every day to your colleagues, to your boss, to your direct reports, to your vendors, to your clients, to your mother-in-law. We all need to make strong points that have impact. Now, that's been my extracurricular life thanks to the fact that I don't golf. But my <laughs> my day job is all about executive communications. How leaders can apply not only these ideas of effective point-making, but these other strong qualities that they need to convey, like authority, like authenticity, empathy, hope, and the tactics and skills they need to realize and employ to convey those qualities effectively. And I threw out a number of them here, but the bottom line two goals that I hope people achieve through the book and through my trainings and through podcasts like this is to help leaders engage and inspire their teams. And if I could pick two words that really are end game goals that deliver the most impact, I would say engage, bring them in, keep them interested and inspire, plant the seeds for them to think anew or do something new as a result of that communication.
0: I love that. And yes, I do know that's one of the things I really like about your work is that it's practical, it's no BS, like this is how you do it. And I find that very useful. So in working with leaders, what are the common mistakes that you see rookie leaders make? Or even if maybe they may not be rookies, but what keeps people from being able to inspire Or engage their audience. And I know that's like a question on how do you solve world hunger? Give us some tips, maybe tell us a story about that.
1: Sure, I'll give you two really basic and vital concepts. One is that leaders often approach a communication opportunity by thinking, what can I say? What should I say? Let me huddle my executive team together. Let's think about what we really need to communicate to the organization or a particular team. And Laura, that's the wrong question because you could do that without an audience. Uh, The audience is the critical factor here. And the truth of the matter is, if they don't receive and process and find relevance in the points you're making, then that renders you pointless. Uh, There's no point in giving a speech or making a communication where that point is not received. And understood. And ideally, people engage with it and are inspired by it. So, the right question, because I always like to give the approach, not just the thing not to do, Mm -hmm. the right question is what does my audience want and need to hear in this moment? And those are two Mm -hmm. separate things. There's a want, they feel like they're left without something, like I need this to fulfill my professional life. And then there's a need. Now, the need they may or may not be aware of, but let's be clear, that's something they need to know to move ahead with success, tool, if you will. So that's a want and a need. And sometimes it helps to ask this question. If my audience can only pull away one point from the communication I'm making today, what would it be? Knowing that audiences can't take away everything anyway, but imagine they can only take away only one thing. What would that be? And if you can identify that, then work backwards to make sure that that point is highlighted, emphasized, explained, explored, given data, given storytelling, so it has the best chance of being effectively received. So that's number one, focusing on what your audience wants and needs, not what you want and feel like you need to say. The second mistake people make is they think that information inspires. Ah. If I give enough information, if I give a book report on this approach or this new topic that the rest my audience can do on their own, what they're actually doing is transferring the burden of making points to the audience instead of themselves. So an informative presentation would sound like this. All right, here's an approach and here's the history of what we've done so far. Here's the money we're putting against it or investing in it here are the multiple groups that are going to be working on this. Here are the tactics we're going to be employing. And these are the places where we're going to be spreading this information. Thank you very much. Now, what they didn't say, they basically gave an inventory of the idea, a book report, but they never said why that information is important. And it's only the why that inspires people. Why am I here? Why should I do a good job? What's the impact of me appreciating what you're saying, taking on what you're saying and running with it. Don't just tell me what it is. Tell me how it benefits me. Right. And employees or teams, they're inspired by the notion that there is a why and there is a purpose uh, to what they're doing. Not just here are the Ten Commandments, uh, please follow right. them, right. Uh, because I said so. <laughs> or right. even I think so. That's so yeah, so, so understand that information alone doesn't inspire, only points do and points have wise whys built into them.
0: Right. Oh, I have this saying, hopefully I didn't steal it from you. Hmm. I think I made it up, but you know, just to your point, I say sell it before you tell it.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> you know, because we need to know why should I listen to you? And I think working from home the in the video communication is so, there's so many more distractions and fewer signals that we're getting. So right. everybody needs to get to the point, inspire, and engage their audience. And as you're explaining these rookie mistakes or common mistakes and, and approaches in leadership communication, what I'm thinking, because my audience are usually... Directors, senior mm-hmm. directors, senior management, but they're just about the prime to get to that next step. And one of the things they want my help with is communicating to senior leadership.
1: Right.
0: And sometimes, as you know, you can feel intimidating. And even in that situation, I think asking, what does this audience need from me? And using that as the filter or the structure for framing your presentation or your comments. Because I think that if people give useful information, points, not information, but points, then the quality of the decisions made based on that information is going to increase. And if the decisions are a better quality, we're going to have better outcomes. So right. all and of that to say.
1: Yeah. And we talked about questions. this look- Yeah, we talked about this before, and I think something you mentioned is basically managing up. And I think the idea of managing up is helpful here, because when we manage up, we're not just saying what we want to say. We're recognizing that there's something the person we're reporting to needs to hear from us. I mean, that's clear when you manage up. So we should adopt that sort of mindset to these other environments where we're communicating. And something I think you and I might have spoken about the last time we talked were tools to help you get there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes down to words. I propose, I recommend, I suggest. These are power words that force you to make a point, to put yourself out there, to in fact, put your reputation on the line, to make a suggestion. And you know what? Leaders recommend, leaders suggest. Leaders put themselves out there and put their reputations on the line to point to a new goal, to provide a vision. So those words help, points help. But these things about identifying goals, having a vision, communicating those visions, those are critical leadership skills.
0: Absolutely. But I think that most of the time you need to develop them before you're going to get to the president's office. (laughs) You need to be developing those along the way. And to some of my introvert clients, Hmm. these things feel like they're being pushy. Like it feels like they're being pushy. And what I tell them is that imagine we're at a party or a bar and it's super loud band and so we're both screaming to hear each other so inside your head you feel like you're screaming but on the outside you're not perceived as screaming people can barely hear you and so i think when people are afraid to be pushy but using i propose i recommend or what i think we should do is right it doesn't sound pushy it just sounds like a recommendation
1: right and they should think of themselves well i think help helps introverts in particular, is to not think of yourselves as talkers or speakers. Think of yourselves as point makers. That means you have a point and it's your job to make it. That means taking that opportunity to convey your point effectively.
0: I love that. And what do you think of, that, of the advice you hear sometimes about preparing your talking points before mm-hmm. a meeting? Is that Would that be subordinate to what does the audience need to hear from me? Or what do you think?
1: I think what you need to do for a meeting, it's sort of its own animal, Mm -hmm. but the version of what my audience, I mean, yes, definitely think of the team you're speaking to at a meeting, but even more importantly than that, in a meeting context, what is the goal of this meeting? Mm -hmm. What do we hope to accomplish? That needs to be answered before the meeting takes place. And let's just say whoever is running a meeting is the meeting leader, thus Mm -hmm. a leader. So we're still talking about leadership here. So identify the point of the meeting what needs to happen as a result of that meeting. But something I strongly encourage meeting leaders to do is to come in with points, not just with topics. So the agenda is topics. And sometimes we rely on the agenda. All right, now let's talk about the data. But the leader of the meeting, it's their job to say the data shows that this approach is not working so well. Let's have a conversation about other alternatives we can take where the data can show more success. Now that is a point. So what I recommend leaders doing to be clear is take the agenda and turn those topics into points you can make because you're going to energize that audience, that team and create more feedback if you're throwing a point out there versus just throwing a topic out there and let anyone talk about any aspect of it. What do you make of that point, as of that topic as a leader? And what do you suggest and as you know, in a meeting where there's feedback or we're brainstorming, it's easier to brainstorm around an existing point versus just on a clear canvas with nothing about it. So that's a, a, something I really encourage leaders do when they lead meetings, come in with points, not just top
0: Yeah, I love that. So even if you're distributing a written agenda, instead of saying schedule, it would say how can we get back on schedule or so what is your position on status updates those kinds of meetings
1: right i always recommend to everybody who's communicating it could be the intern or mm-hmm. it could be the ceo never give a book report you can always make a point regardless of your of the nature of your content so it's interesting some of the ways i recommend people professionally develop is to not bring their supervisor data or status report, but say, here's the status and here's what I recommend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's the information. And I think we should take this and adopt this new approach. And that's really important. And the way that professionals can help people reporting to them develop is when they come to them with status reports saying, all right, what do you recommend? And the interesting thing is the more the manager says that, ask that questions. all right, what do you recommend? What do you recommend? Mm-hmm. The direct reports one day, magically almost, will come in and say, here's my status report and here's what I recommend. And mm-hmm. that's the day that that person moves up one step in the hierarchy towards leadership.
0: I love that. I love practical tools. i taking a course, as always. copious nuts, <laughs> but yeah, just what do you recommend as a way of training people to start thinking as leaders or communicating as leaders. So let's step back and something that you mentioned earlier on, but we got away from it, is the mindset. So a lot of leaders feel that they're a little, maybe new to the role, may feel a little scared, or they may have people on their team that are now reporting to them who used to be peers. So what kind of mindset do you recommend Speaking of recommendations that leaders adopt to be effective.
1: The first thing is knowing the goal of their leadership communications. And that is, as I said, and you know, it's always worth repeating truths just to reinforce Mm -hmm. them. But again, that is to inspire and engage. Now people will say, yeah, they may not even write that down. Of course, inspire and engage. Yeah. But those are the only two words I'm saying. So let's think of the words that are not there. Inform, be thought of as a good leader be thought of as a memorable leader, to entertain, to enlighten.
0: Yeah. So we're moving
1: all these other things because often leaders think I need to do everything here, but I want to make it simple. So always ask in your communications, whether it be internal, external, video, uh, podcast, posting, texting, is this communication likely to inspire and or engage the other person on the other end? So that's the biggest mindset. And I also want to talk about another mindset that came to me even as Mm -hmm. I just began thinking about this book. You know, when we think of great leaders, we think of leaders who are confident and who are authentic and empathic and interested and determined and committed. These are all behaviors, and that's great. But how do people recognize those behaviors? Do the leaders do performance art? Do they tell jokes? Do they give colorful presentations. No, it's in their communications. There's no telepathy involved in making an audience understand you are an inspiring leader. That all happens often in words. Mm -hmm. And that's why the second big mindset is understanding that where this happens, where people get inspired and engaged is not in your being, Mm -hmm. but in your communicating. That's how they receive it. Now, there may be some pushback. Yes, we want our leaders to behave this way and that way, and there's value to that. But when we talk about how those values are being received and perceived by teams, right. it is not so much through behavior, although to some degree, it is most often through communication. I heard from my CEO and my leader, thanks to this email that went around today, I heard at town hall today from my leaders, the importance of these priorities these are all communications. In my book, I tried to cover as many of them as possible, not just the technology, but the occasion. Is this a crisis? Is this a rethinking of our strategy? Is this praise for a particular individual or a team?
0: I like that. I think that's so helpful as a way of thinking about because even your behaviors, a lot of times, people outside your immediate team are not going to even know about them, except for right. word of mouth. And, like, say I'm making a decision. You know, we all have to work Saturday. Well, the way I communicate that, as far as is there a meaning, is there a purpose to it, right. determines how it's going. If what to a great the success of that decision is in how you communicate it. Right? That Absolutely.
1: And you reminded me of another good mindset. It's about we versus I, which is something other people have written before. Let's take your example. We all have to work on Saturday. Everyone here just for the summer is going to have to work on Saturday. I'm going to be there working on Saturday. I think this is a good idea and it's something I can do. Well, those eyes are not going to hit your team with any inspiration or engagement because good for you.
0: I've got kids. (laughs)
1: I've got pets. I had something to do this weekend. So better is explaining if we all work together and take some sacrifices, including as many Saturdays as possible, we're going to meet our goals, which will best serve our mission. Mm -hmm. And we're all here for the mission. So make sure to make your team a stakeholder Mm -hmm. in whatever you're announcing, even if that news is somewhat unwelcome.
0: Yes, I like that. So very good on the mindset about, Thinking about how to inspire and engage and don't worry if, about anything else. Just focus on that. Or at least start.
1: elevate those things, right?
0: Right. Put those in the first place and think about what are we doing versus I versus you, of course. So one struggle, I think, is so hard. I mean, it's hard for me, but it's so important for leaders to do, and that's listen. Mm-hmm. And a part of the problem is that a lot of the people we have to listen to are ramblers. Sure. And then how do you know who in any situation, if it's going to be a good use of your time to listen? So, I mean, help me understand, like, how can we be better listeners that doesn't involve pain?
1: Right. So. We're working on the ramblers, right? (laughs) If you're a rambler, hopefully you can get some good tips here so that you're not a rambler. And let's be clear, no one's born a rambler. People ramble because they don't know their point. So once they get to this simple relatively step of identifying and knowing your point, that is the cure to rambling. All right, so let's talk about the people in pain. Now, there's not much you can do for a rambler, but there's a lot of ways you could sabotage your listening. And what leaders in particular and aspiring leaders uh, need to do is embrace active listening techniques. And one of the biggest ones, especially for leaders is this, don't spend your listening time trying to decide what you're going to say next.
0: Oh, right. And a lot of people do that. Right.
1: They pose a question. Someone's talking. They're like, all right, well, here's how I can counter that or support (laughs) it. or I want to move on to my next point. Uh, No, if you're listening, you're listening and people can tell. If you're listening by what you say as a result, another good tactic that I don't see that often that I really recommend is nodding. So what do we do to react to someone to show we're listening? All right, we'll smile. So what does that indicate? Smiling indicates, all right, I'm with you. Maybe I'm entertained. I'm pleased. We applaud later. You're done. I'm applauding the fact that you're done and you succeeded. (laughs) But nodding up and down communicates something else. It communicates I'm buying what you're selling. You have made your point, I've received it, Mm -hmm. and now I've digested it and can hopefully apply it to my work. Nodding is also the most supportive thing you can do to a speaker who's not confident Mm -hmm. uh, because it is saying the same thing. You are doing your job effectively because I am receiving your point. Mm -hmm. And I use nodding, sometimes very energetic nodding, when people are rambling to hopefully indicate to them, your job has been completed, mission accomplished. I'm with you. You're done. Okay. <laughs> and it's probably the most polite way of saying you achieved your goal. Let's move on to the next.
0: Oh, that is. And that's new to me. That, that does sound good. Now, I have people, clients. And I'm sure you have also the ramblers. Mm-hmm. But, and so I say, we'll get clear on your purpose. Why are you Thanks. speaking? But then they tell me, well, Laura, I'm a verbal processor and I think out loud. And I have been saying, well, you need to think before the meeting. Like, what are the points you want right. to make? So, what do you say to the verbal processors who are listening?
1: The first thing I would say is, processing is not a function of that communication opportunity. Uh, processing should always happen ahead of time. A public speaker should know their points, should practice their points, mm-hmm. should be experienced and have expertise in their points, so that they don't need to be doing much processing except when there's a Q and A or mm-hmm. they're merely putting words against their ideas and their points. So someone, I completely understand that some people process that way. Just do it as part of your process of putting together your points. You know, Einstein said something interesting that I say all the time, which is you can't explain something simply. Or oh, if you cannot explain something simply, you haven't thought about it hard enough.
0: Oh, wow. That's so true. That and that so puts
1: true. it in the right order. Uh, think about it know your point, sharpen your point, make sure it has the most powerful outcome. So not mm-hmm. just if we do this right, we'll get more traffic to our website. but If we do this right, we'll sell more Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. We will save lives. We will help the world. And once you have that in your head, then you're in the best position to convey it successfully, succinctly, and with impact.
0: Right. I think especially in the executive leadership office, I think everybody is overworked, overwhelmed and over Zoom to begin with and we don't have time, maybe your reports are forced to take the time as you verbally process, but the CEO, C-suite, not right. interested
1: in that. Right. Right? And and if you need to process, then why not crowdsource it? Why not bring in your team to help you process? And there's a word for that. It's called brainstorming. <laughs> so you can say, at this meeting, I'm going to make these points, and we're going to save 15 minutes at the end of the meeting. To brainstorm a few ideas that I've been tinkering with in my own mind. So you can help me, or as a group, we can come to some conclusions. Then you're taking that processing and you're putting it in an appropriate place.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, what is your take on getting back to the office?
1: Well, you know, I'm all about communications. So, For me personally, I think I would benefit most from a hybrid situation. I'm doing some of my work at home and some of my work in the office, because frankly, there are advantages to each. There are advantages to Zoom you could not get in a real-world meeting. There are advantages in the real-world meeting that can't get back to Zoom. So I'm not going to talk about policy necessarily. That is up to each organization. The only thing I would counsel people to keep in mind, whether they're going back full-time or not going back at all, is pay attention to your communication opportunities and environments. And sort of as a bottom line, make sure that everything in your environment is supporting your point. Because if it is not supporting your point, it is stealing from your point. So if you're in a Zoom meeting, that means being mindful of your background and of the distractions to you and your audience. And in a live meeting, that means being present, not checking your email not trying to multitask, we should all know by now, is a fiction. There's no such thing Correct. as multitasking. Correct. You're only toggling behind around multiple things between them. So just be mindful of the environment you're in and that some of your expectations and mindsets may need to change to take best advantage of those environments.
0: Very good. So do you think that engagement is more challenging in the virtual environment? Is it?
1: I think that there are new challenges to it because there is a version of zoom fatigue. It's a real thing. It's not just a name. And it comes from the fatigue of looking at many people at once. Mm -hmm. It comes from the fatigue of being too close to people. Like you'd never want to have a meeting in an elevator. Uh, Yet This is kind of the closeness and the intimacy we have. And Some people get really
0: close. (laughs) Yeah. Like, also,
1: oh. you know, you may think someone is checking out of what you're saying, mm-hmm. not paying attention, but they might have an emergency going on. Their kitchen is on fire. You don't really right. know. Are they you can't be take taking
0: notes? Sometimes, yeah,
1: absolutely. It you're looks not like they're
0: contact. playing on the phone and they're saying, "Oh, I'm taking notes."
1: Right. So. so these are the ways a video meeting, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever it is, can create obstacles. However, there are also advantages, and I find that people don't often use chat as effectively as they can. They think of chat as an open mic. All right, well, if anyone has any ideas, you can just throw it in the chat, but you can use chat even if you don't wanna use like breakout rooms and official polls. You can use the chat to poll things. Hey, I'm gonna show you two mission statements. Just type in one if you prefer one or two if you like two. Or asking a question. Uh, Can everyone talk about a big learning, short one-sentence learning that you realized as a result of what we went through last week? Or we are thinking of new ideas for this brand new program. Uh, let's take five minutes to maybe put those ideas in the chat. Or if people have questions that you need to answer, I just shared this. Are there questions in the chat? You can see there are multiple ways. But now I'm going to share something with you, Laura, that was a game changer for me. That I didn't invent, but I heard in another conference. And I'm sorry I can't credit that person because I don't remember. And it is this. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. Is the exact amount of time that you should give when you ask for feedback or questions in a chat or even in a live setting. Uh, so you say, Are there any questions today? Count to yourself one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, I don't see any questions. So we're going to move on to the next item. Now, six seconds. You're going to cut off someone who is thinking of saying something.
0: Right. Eight, eight
1: seconds, it becomes excruciating silence where people are like, oh, this is terrible. Or in a worse case, and this is something leaders should never do, they start begging for questions. Come on, doesn't anyone of anyone? I can't believe nobody has any questions. Starts haranguing people. Right. Oh, come on, someone must have a question. Like you're shaming people and you never want to do that. Whether it's scientific or not, seven seconds is the, the general understood amount of time where it's long enough to give everyone time to contribute, mm-hmm. but not so long enough that it becomes excruciating.
0: No, I think that's a great number and very helpful in terms of giving people time to process right. and collect themselves. I do think it is useful to have breaks in the-
1: Absolutely. And should pause. Mm-hmm. You know, something I always say, it takes twice as long for your audience to receive your point as you need to say it. And probably even more than that, because consider what a communicator needs to do. They just need to communicate something they've been thinking about for a while. Maybe they practiced, maybe they brainstormed it with other leaders. Now think of what the recipient of that communication needs to do. They need to hear it for the first time, digest it, process it, add relevance to it. Is this related to what I do? Is there relevance here? Should I write this down? Should I tweet this? Should I remember this? Meanwhile, the speaker is six sentences further along. So that's why leaders, and I say this in both books, need to embrace pausing to allow for that time for the audience to truly receive and digest what is being communicated.
0: That is such a good point. And it also reminds me that when we do speak, we've thought about whatever we're going to say. Right. A long year. We're experts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is so true. And asking for in the work context, you're presenting and then you want questions, I can see where it might, people really might need the seven seconds to think of a question and maybe they need more time and they're going to come back with a question at the next meeting or something. So I I really like that guy. And
1: someone can certainly say that we out of time for questions now, but I'm always available right. for questions. And I want to thank everyone. And thanks is also recognition. Appreciation is also a big part of the book. I want to thank everyone for contributing to this conversation.
0: Okay. Well, let, we're getting to the end of our time. So <laughs> tell me about firming people by thanking them. It-
1: right. The big way that you can make sure your thanks, your appreciation, your recognition has impact. And this is true whether you're saying it, whether you're emailing it, or whether you're posting a note of appreciation to various teams, is to include the why. Why are you thanking that person? And more specifically, what is the impact of what that person did on the team, on the organization, and on the goals? Now, this will take a little more thinking, but I want everyone to put themselves in the position of receiving those two words, thank you, from a leader. How lasting and memorable, really, are those two words? Even less, thanks. Uh, But thank you for contributing that idea in today's meeting. I'm going to bring it up the flagpole, and we're going to see if we could turn that into a program in the next quarter. Well, that is sort of putting a crown on that person's head. So just putting the why, why is it important uh, and have impact what that person did, and explicitly reinforcing that and putting words against that will just double, triple, quadruple the impact of that thanks in every setting where you're giving appreciation
0: wow 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 so i'm going to practice joe i'm going to say thank you for being a guest on the podcast because you have given so much value so many tools that people that listening to this can start practicing from this day forward By getting to the point, by speaking the language of leadership, they in turn can ripple out more value to their teams and organizations. And I will say, you have such a calm voice, and that's I think makes it easier to listen to. So I really appreciate that. But I want to give you one last megaphone. Is there's any other point? Of course, we you want to buy the language of leadership. It's a quick read but it's just full of practical tools. And if you have trouble getting to the point, you want to get that book too. They're both on Amazon. But what is your closing message? If open mic, just lay it on us. And if you want to tell people how to find you, I'm guessing on LinkedIn would be the best way.
1: Sure. The answer to your question, I would say in this moment is two words, power and purpose. Those are the tools through which you achieve engagement and inspiration. Power is the volume, the authority, the confidence with which you make points, mm-hmm. including good listening skills and including understanding your message. And purpose is understanding what my goal is in this communication. If I nail it, uh, what my audience will think or do anew as a result of that, what is my purpose here? So if you have to think in terms of those two things, the power what I do to make sure that communication has resonance, and the purpose, what I do to make sure that communication has relevance. Those things will put you on the way to making strong points and engaging and inspiring your team. As far as reaching to me, I like to say, and IT people will enjoy this reference, I like to think of my work as open code, (laughs) uh, which means I love to give it away. So the best thing you can do is go to my website, www.joelschwartzberg.net. And there you'll see all of my podcasts, my ideas, one at a time, the things I've published for Harvard Business Review or Fast Company, some people who have responded to the workshops, as well as information about the books. Really, I like to think of it as a source of just tremendous and specific resources on helping people champion their most important points.
0: Yes, this is very bad. I'm sure... Like you, we have read many communication books and I really appreciate the ones that deliver tools that are super practical and accessible. So thank you all for listening. This has been another, hopefully very value-packed episode of how to communicate better. And communication is your tool to bring more value to the table. You're not sharing information, you're making points. And making points is what moves the needle forward on the mission of your organization. So thank you, Joel. And we will see you on the next episode. Goodbye.